Welcome to Meet Yourself, Learning Through Living with Lucy, a podcast about self-discovery and how to live in alignment with what you really want on your terms. Hello. Hi, David. I'm so excited. Um, I'm so excited to have you here. Um, So for our listeners, um, David, I found out about David um, through his book, um, Connect, which he co-wrote with uh, Carol Robin. And um, it's a book about building exceptional relationships with friends, family, and colleagues. And it's the book is exactly what the title says. But one of the things that one of my biggest breakthroughs from the book that I didn't expect was that not only did it help me connect more with my friends and families and coworkers, but it also helped me connect more with myself and Uh reveal a side of me that I had no idea. And, um, it's, it's so one of the core central themes in the book, which uh, we're we're definitely going to discuss is, um, around being honest with yourself and honest to other people revealing your emotions, self-disclosure is a huge thing. And then also getting feedback from other people and being open to that and how to actually give feedback. Those, I think self-disclosure and feedback giving was like two central things that I think helped me um, understand other people, but also through that exchange, understand myself more. So I, I'm just so excited to have David here um, on the show with us. Welcome, David. Well, it's good to be here. And I'm just so uh, delighted about your what you said, because uh, we do want this to be for personal development as well as interpersonal. So that you're using it is very exciting. It's why we wrote the book. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, And I find that everything is like, you know, as you're interacting with the people in your life, if you pay it, like you do pay attention to kind of how you're feeling and that, that I think, tells you a lot about yourself. And that's kind of like a feedback loop that in return helps you disclose more to other people and deepen that relationship. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Yes. And you see, what you're talking about, which is so important, is we tend to denigrate emotions. We say, oh, don't be emotional. And yet emotions are so important because they tell us what's important to us. And they tell us what's important to the other person. So, for example, if, uh, and I don't imagine this will happen, but if you do something that bothers me, it makes such a difference if I say, well, Lucy, I'm slightly bothered, or I say, I'm annoyed, or I say, I'm really upset, or I'm really angry. I mean, those convey very different messages about me and about our relationship. So emotions are very important. They, they really are. And thank you for, um, I wanted to, yeah, this is stuff I wanted to talk more about that, which is um, one of the mind blowing thing for me was when you said emotions tell you what's important to us. And I think we live in a world where it's a lot about like, don't let your emotions get in the way, you know? Um, and so people have a tendency um, to stifle their emotions so that they, you know, they're clear, clear headed and think logically. But if you don't say what your emotions are, if you don't actually hear them, um, people don't know what's important to you. And like you said, you get a very different takeaway depending on the emotions. That's right. And also, we don't want emotions to get in the way, but the way to handle it is, as you say, not to stifle, but to step back a minute and say, why am I so bothered? Or why am I so 
uh, attracted to this? Uh, that's a that's a question to ask. Not let me push it away. And if I can explore why it is for myself, as you're saying, it's greater self-discovery, but then I can deal with it and then I can respond appropriately. I love that. Do you have an example in your personal life um, where you felt like uh, where you had to use that tool of discussing oh, your emotions? <laughs> I can give you many and it's, it's, in, it's in relationships. So it frequently happens with Eva and myself, my wife. Uh, so I may be really upset about something. And rather than uh, getting mad back at her and accusing her of something, um, so, uh, and it can be around small things. So we have what we, we describe in the, in the book, the spoon incident. So let me describe that because I think it really shows where even small things are important because they're often symbolic. So I was making coffee one morning and uh, I put the coffee spoon on the counter, and Eva got mad at me. Well, on the one hand, you know, my first response was sort of like, what's the big deal about a spoon? But I, I stopped, and rather than being annoyed at her annoyance, I said, well, what's going on? And she said, well, I just cleaned up the kitchen. And I said, okay, sorry, but is there something more? And what we got to was she didn't want to be treated like the scullery maid, that I could come in and just arbitrarily mess up what she had cleaned. But also at a deeper level, neither of us felt as appreciated for what we had done as we wanted. So here was a silly thing with a spoon. But because we listened to both of our emotions, we realized the spoon wasn't a spoon. It stood for something deeper. And by getting something deeper, we were able to then find out what each of us wanted from each other. Oh my God! It's never. It's not about the spoon, right? I, it's it's never about that that thing that you're. It's very rarely about that thing that you're actually having disagreements over. It's so interesting that you mentioned that, um, because if I and I feel like a lot of people um, can resonate. Uh, if I think back to like the most like contentious arguments I've had in the past, it's always over the smallest things. Yes, yes. But, 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 but they are not small things yes. because they stand for something really important. Yes. And when you go behind the level deeper than the actual thing, it's not about the spoon. What is, the, what is important about that spoon? And then you get to what is the real problem yeah. here? I yeah. love that. David, I, um, I, I wanted to before we go on, could you define what the book is about building exceptional relationships? Can you define what exceptional relationships mean? Sure. And and let me at this point say, um, this is not the holy grail for all relationships. We need to see relationships on a continuum. Uh, and all of them have value. So many of our relationships are very superficial, but that's okay. You know, I go to the store and I know the person behind the counter, I greet him, but I don't need an exceptional relationship with him. Then we have friendships, and some friendships are deeper, and then we have uh, more intimate uh, relationships, uh, close relationships, and then we have exceptional. So everything is on a continuum. So there tend, But to answer your question, there tend to be six key characteristics that are important in deepening your relationship, irrespective of where it is. 
The first is, can I be myself? Can I let you know what's important to me? Now, I'm not going to tell you everything about me, but what's important to me in our relationship? Can I share that? Second, can I build conditions where you're willing to reciprocate and tell me what's important to you? Because then there are more ways in which we can connect. And also, the more we do it, the more trust builds. The third uh, part of the trust is, uh, do we know that when I share this, you won't use it against me? You won't say, aha, because of that, you're this sort of person. Then I sort of feel like the butterfly that's pinned to the wall. A fourth, can we be honest with each other? And again, honesty is on a continuum, but we usually are less honest than we could be. Fifth, can we raise disagreements, even conflict, and be able to resolve them and not avoid them and resolve them in a way that can actually deepen the relationship, and we can talk about that later. And finally, are each of us committed to the other's growth and development? Mm -hmm. And that might require that I tell you some things that in the moment you may not want to hear, but because I'm concerned for you, I think you ought to know this. Now, each of these are on a continuum, and we say that if you have three or four relationships that are high on all of these, then you're a very lucky person and you have an exceptional relationship. And I, I think I have four of them, um, but I have a lot others that are strong, robust, but aren't at the high end of these six. I love that you mentioned that this is all on a continuum. It's not an all or nothing kind of thing. Is it normal to have, let's say, um, like some relationships where it's like, you know, of the six you mentioned, like one or two of them is like really, really strong, but then the others, it's it's not that strong. And um, and then you have other relationship where it's like the other um, three or four, you know, aspects are very strong, but not the first one or two. Yes, I, I think so. I don't think they're at the same point in all six in all relationships. Some are stronger than others. Um, I can, what comes to mind is a relationship I have which there is a, a lot of mutual uh, self-disclosure. Um, but uh, I still find that I am holding back things. I'm not as honest as I could. And um, one of the things to keep in mind is a relationship takes work. And so the question is, well, why don't I do more? And um, I guess I'm feeling a little apologetic. I, I think I would say, well, the relationship is very satisfying. It's going to take work to move that dimension along. And I'm not sure I've seen that much greater payoff. So we make choices all the time. But these are all choices. And I could do that. I could do more. But, you know, life is short. We make a choice as to which relationships we put extra effort into. And, and once you have exceptional, it still takes work to keep it there. There's always room. There's always a room to grow and place to go, and then you can make your choice as to where you want to take it. Um, and I love that. I I would say um a lot of my listeners are high achieving kind of like go 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 types who are really into <laughs> self growth and personal development, and that's such a great space to be in. But I think one of the downsides of that is we have a tendency to always want to it's never enough, right? There's, there's <laughs> kind of that feeling, but 
the way, which is why I love it that you say it in the form of like everything's on a continuum. And you even mentioned that you are still finding it hard to be honest all the time, right? And yes. Um, yes. there was a there was a story in your book, and I love this because it I felt really called out when you had it, which is that you um you researched honest uh, vulnerability and how powerful and important that was. So you started being being vulnerable, like intentionally trying to be vulnerable by sharing things. And then I think one of your colleagues had said, David, you're very good at talking about yourself or something like that, but you're not very vulnerable. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you mentioned, I think what you said was, it's because you were trying to, trying to be vulnerable by just by sharing things, but you can't fake being vulnerable. In order to be vulnerable, you have to actually be vulnerable. Yes, I, I think the distinction is that um, vulnerability is when I share something and I don't know what the result is going to be in your reaction and the result might be negative. So I think we've all had people who share something very personal, but you know they've shared it 72 times before. They know what the result is going to be. So they're, they're self-disclosing, but they're not vulnerable. And um, the vulnerability doesn't have to be major, but uh, one of the stories we have in the book is I was talking about this in class one day, and um, this was also a class in talking about getting, getting help, asking for help. And I mentioned that I'd been in therapy and that I found therapy very helpful. And a student came up afterwards and he said, um, you know, uh, when you shared that, I respect you less because I think people ought to solve their own problems. Well, I at the moment felt a little pinched. You know, uh, I don't like to be respected less. Um, but uh, that was the result. And now, am I sorry I shared that? No, uh, I'm glad I shared it for the rest of the students. And also, that was his reaction. That was his values. And I said, well, uh, we just differ in what we think, and that's okay. But there was a case in which I shared something not deeply, deeply personal, and I got rejected. But I survived, and our relationship survived. Yeah. This reminds me of um, early on in the book, the concept of how um, deepening when it comes to deepening relationships, it's almost like you have to kind of experiment a little bit with like, oh, how far can I go with this person? And I think vulnerability comes into that, right? It's almost like when you're being vulnerable, the way you're describing it, you're testing. You're, you're, I mean, this isn't, you're not consciously trying to test, but it's like, because you don't know what the reaction is going to be. And I think that's such a great distinction between self-disclosure versus vulnerability is that you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Um, you genuinely don't know. But by being able to take that risk, um, that can help deepen the relationship. And, and it can help you learn. And, and we have the notion of the 15% rule, which is what you're talking about. Because yeah. what we say is you don't share everything with everybody. I mean, that's actually a sign of mental illness because you're not, in a sense, judicious about what you share to whom and when. Um, so let me describe that because I think it, it can be helpful. Um, so I want uh, 
the audience to think of three concentric circles. And we call this the 15% rule. And the inner circle, the smallest one, is a zone of comfort. And that's what we share with everybody. So for example, I've been married for 56 years. I have two kids. I have three grandkids. You know, I'll share that with the the butcher, uh, with anybody. Then there is the next zone, which is the zone of learning. And the outer zone is the zone of danger, which you don't want to go to, which is sharing too much uh, at that situation. And what we say is go 15% outside of your comfort zone into the zone of learning. It's only 15%. You're going to sort of take your breath in a little bit when you think of, am I going to do this? So it is a risk, but it's not a disaster if it doesn't go well. And not only that, I do that 15% and I find that it's not a disaster. So my comfort, my zone of comfort now increases. And not only that, by my doing that, you might share 15% and so on and so on. And we get to know each other better. So 15%, not 5%, that's too safe. And not 30%, that's too risky. 15% is, it's a little scary, but if it doesn't work out, it's unlikely it's going to be a disaster. Uh, oh, that is such a that is such a great explanation. Like the way you have and you have a diagram in the book, and um, I think that clarifies so much because I've definitely been on both ends of that. Not sharing, being very, it's it's you know fear, right? Not 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 wanting to like go more than go more than on the on the surface level, but then also sometimes when the cork gets popped, I just verbally vomit everything onto somebody as well. And then that's like way oversharing. That's right. Yeah. And I think going back to emotions, I think once I started to, it was so hard, but I had to actually name, I I challenged myself to name my emotions as they come up and expand my repertoire beyond just good and bad. Like (laughs) there are more emotions than that. And in your book, you actually have a list of emotions and um, like feelings. And I, and I was like, there was an exit, by the way, the book is chock full of exercises. So this is like such a practical book as well. And I think one of the exercises was you um, identify, like you go through the list and identify like the emotions that, um, that you encounter, you know, when you're, when you're in a difficult conversation and, um, like one of the things that showed up for me that I surprised me was lonely was a was a was an emotion that showed up a lot. And I had no I would have never guessed that. Hmm. Um, but after doing, I think. Being more aware and feeling what that um, emotion is that came up. Um, I was able to. And uh, in, in saying those emotions in conversation. I, I, I was able to deepen the, the conversation, but I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was just say what I was feeling and the conversation deepened on its own. I think that was the mind blowing part for me is that you didn't have to try to do anything. Um, I think a lot of people read things like um, how to win friends and influence people and books like that, where it tells you the what to do on the external side, like, you know, say the people's names more, um, you know, smile, point out their strengths, all of that thing. but. I, I, it's, it's all very focused on the other person, which I think is important. But I think what I learned from your, your writing is that also focus on what's going on inside you 
and then express it and then just express it in a, one of the things you said is that your feelings are always honest. Lucy, Lucy, can I, can I break in because you're making a very important point, which I want to talk about. So please excuse me for breaking in. Yes, please. Is that, um, what we're really talking about is how you can be more yourself, not how you can be something different. And what you have done, which is wonderful, is explored parts of you that were always there. It wasn't something new, but you were also not only able to recognize it, but to express it. So you're a fuller person than you were before. And that's a wonderful outcome if we can have relationships where we each can be fuller as human beings, fuller as who we are, not who we pretend to be. I love that. I love that so much. Can you um, explain more about um, what it means to be honest? Um, Actually, let me, that's a broad question. Let me give an example of one of the things in in, in your book was that like saying how you feel and asking curious curiosity questions, those are always the truthful things um, because a question is never it's never false, right? Um, but it but when people, I, I think it has to do with like when you start making assumptions and, and stories attached to what the other people are saying, um, that kind of can take you down the down the wrong path. Um, and and what you said about how you can be more yourself. Like I, I, the word that kept coming up in my head is honesty, but I think people really struggle with, with that. Well, I, I think it's because we're not clear what we're honest, quote, what we are honest about. So when I hear people say, I'm going to be brutally honest, I usually exper- experience them as more brutal than honest. And, uh, <laughs> So let me make this distinction, and we spell it out in detail in the book, as you know, is that um, we say that in any interaction, there are three realities, not one. So one reality, uh, well, let's look at our relationship now. One reality is my intention. Um, So when I interrupted you a few minutes ago, my intention was to try to make a point that I thought was really important. Uh, and so I engaged in a behavior. I interrupted you with words and so on. That's a second reality behavior. But I didn't know the impact on you. You could have been insulted. I don't think you were, were you? Okay. No. But you could have been. You're, you strike me as very polite. You could have been Uh, insulted or annoyed. Uh, So I don't know the impact of my behavior. But I need to know the impact if I am to be uh, effective, if I'm to build relationships. So the three realities. So the third reality is the impact of my behavior on you. Now, what we have in that image of three realities is a tennis net between the first and the second. And we say, as you can't play tennis in the other person's backcourt, stay on your side of the net. But most, uh, most feedback and most brutally honest comments are over the net. So when we say to somebody, you just want to dominate, 
you don't listen. You have to win every argument. You don't want to be a hard worker. You only care about your area. We're over the net because I'm making inferences about your intentions and motives, but I don't know them. They're by story. And that's what is brutal. But if I stick with my reality, which is the observable behavior and the reaction, so let me make up the story. Let's assume that when I interrupted you, you were annoyed. Well, you could have been over the net and said, David, you're an inconsiderate person. And that would have hurt a bit. Or you could have said, David, when you interrupted me, the behavior, I felt discounted. Now that's your reality. I can't say, no, you weren't, because I'm over your net. That's your reality. And if we, so we talk about being honest, we say, stick with your reality. In fact, we say, you can say almost anything to almost anybody if you stick with your reality. And then we jokingly say, after two glasses of wine, we drop the almost. Because we really believe we can say anything to anybody if we stick with our reality. So if you would have said, David, when you interrupted me, I felt discounted and um, and I also felt disrespected. I can't argue. I would only apologize. I'd say, I'm sorry, Lucy. I guess my need to make that point just got too important. And I'm sorry I did that. And then we're okay. And, and so we talk about honesty, we say, and that's where your point, which you've made several times, which is so important. If I listen to my feelings, my feelings are always my feelings and therefore are true as my feelings. But if I, but if you make up stories, you could be wrong. <laughs> yes. So in that example, I'm glad you got brought that up as an example so we can actually like dissect it a little bit. When you interrupted me, if I had said, I actually, I will tell you what the actual feeling was. My actual feeling was a little scared because I was wondering, oh no, I went on for too long. Did I go on uh -huh. for too long? And this is not what a podcast host should be doing and taking up the floor. You know, so I was thinking, so it was actually fear at first. It was actually a, a self-directed kind of fear. And then, but then after you started talking, I was relieved because I was like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted to like hear. It, it was, it was exactly what, what I, the way you explain it <laughs> was what I think, um, it was so clear and concise. It was basically what I think the viewers needed, needed to hear and, um, articulated in a way that I, um, that I think makes so much sense. Um, but when I say like, oh, I felt afraid when you interrupted me, is that reality three, the impact reality? Is that? That's your reality. If you felt scared, if you felt worried, if you felt really? concerned, that's your reality. Yes. Now, this is a wonderful, we're using this example. Let's, let's continue to deconstruct it. So, so you were sitting there saying to yourself, Oh my God, I'm talking too much. This is not how it ought to be. Now, that was your concern. Now, I, to be honest, did not feel that way about what you were doing. 
I'm, I'm impressed with how you're adding to the podcast. But there you were sitting uncertain. Now, as we are building, I think we are building now a little more open relationship. You could say, well, David, am I going on too long? And I could say, for me, you are not. Because that's my reality. And then you could really relax and we could go forward. So this is the notion of if each stick with our reality, we can have a conversation that clears up all the uncertainties we live with. I like that. It's to summarize, I think the major points here is stick if we each stick with our realities, but ask, I think like be willing to ask if you want to, if you are unsure about the other person's reality, you can ask for yes. clarification on that. And when that's once that's clear, we can continue to have a conversation without the emotional charge attached to that. Yes. And and let's let's play this out even more. Let's assume you were so upset that you couldn't hear what I was saying. Let's imagine that. Now, it doesn't do me any good to know that I've affected you that way, because I wouldn't want that. So isn't it a gift if you would have said, hey, David, will you stop for a minute? But I'm having a hard time really taking this in, because I'm upset by what you did. Well, that, by the very fact, is an act of closeness. Because you are, in essence, saying, I want an open relationship and something's going on that's getting in the way. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful conversation. It's a, it's, it's a deepening conversation. It's a more intimate conversation. Much better than you stopping listening to me and getting mad at me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, that makes so much sense. I think this is a natural lead into my next question, which is you mentioned that um, conflict doesn't need to be destructive. Actually, if used the right way um, to if used the right way, it can actually strengthen a relationship. Yeah. Can you um, elaborate more on how it can strengthen the relationship? Well, let me first say that the conflict can be messy. It's not all nice and clean, wrapped up in a bow. And um, I often use the analogy that when I'm moving into a conflict situation, it's like I'm walking in the woods and I come across a stream and uh, I want to get to the other side. And I walk carefully on the rocks to make sure I don't get my feet wet. And then the rocks run out. And then it gets a bit muddy. And our tendency is to turn around and go back and say, oh, it was really nothing. But I may have to go through some mud to get to the other side. So, so let me go back to the spoon incident. It wasn't as clean as I had first described it. Because I first uh, think I said, well, what's the issue with a spoon? And I think Eva said, well, you know, you don't have to be so messy. So it got a little little messy in our conversation. But we stuck in there and we walked to the other side, a little mud on our boots. And we said, well, what's, you know, what the hell is this all about? What's going on? So 
uh, the important thing is to live with the messiness. We don't do things perfectly. But if we can stick with our reaction, our feelings, uh, we decrease the amount of mud on our boots and we more quickly get to the other side. And if the goal is to have a better relationship, and let me make a digression. If your goal is to hurt the other person, then you ought to ignore everything we've talked about. (laughs) But if your goal is to build a relationship, can I stick in there? I remember another incident a long time ago where even I had a fight and I went out of the bedroom door and I slammed the door and she opened the door. She said, you come back in here. We haven't finished this conversation. <laughs> See, I've got a very smart wife. <laughs> and I sheepishly went back in and we finished the conversation. The worst thing would have been if she hadn't done that. Worst thing is my slamming the door and running away from the issue. So we can always recover. And it's not an easy process, but if the goal is to build the relationship and the goal is to learn, hey, what's going on that caused this so we don't do it again, then it can build the relationship. I I love that um, the three concentric circles that you had talked about earlier, I love that the middle one is called the zone of learning because that kind of is the goal. And also tying, connecting the dots with like the different realities that we have. Is it, is it, is it accurate to say that the learning, part of the learning is about learning what the different realities are and that yes. can deepen um, the relationship. And, and, and I, I don't, yeah. if I share my reality, you're likely to, to share your reality. You're likely to say, well, you, you know, if, yes. let's use our overworked example of my interrupting. If you would have shared, hypothetically, you're being hurt, then I could say, oh, I'm sorry. My intention was totally different. My intention is not to hurt you. Then you know what's going on for me. And then we could say, when I, I could say, when I think you're saying something really, really important and I want to add to it, what's the best way for me to do it? And you could say, well, David, if you'd sort of raise your hand, then I would know that I could stop. Well, we've worked it out. Yes. Yes. I can totally see where that, where that goes. And I, 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 I love that. I, um, I also just something a little bit, cause I'm always discovering more things about myself as I'm interacting with other people. Like one of the things that just came up for me is, why did I feel so nervous and worried when David interrupted me? And it's, you know, it's because of self, like my reality, I have no idea his intentions. My reality, uh, my reality is that I'm a new podcast host and I am nervous about what I'm doing. So when somebody interrupts me, I feel self-conscious, like I'm talking for too much. And what's in, what that reveals to me is that like Lucy, do you, um, it's like, I have confidence, I have some confidence issue in my, my own, what, what do I have to share, right? And, and, and what Lucy has to share. Um, I, I just wanted to kind of call that out as an example of how interacting with a person, as both of you guys are deepening and revealing more of your own personal realities, there are things that I feel like can be revealed um, 
even for yourself. Like, like I learn more about David's reality, but I learn more about my reality that wouldn't have come up had David not done that action. Mm -hmm. um, the behavior part of the, uh, of the three realities. So thank you for that, David. <laughs> well, I think the other thing is, and I've heard more than one executive say, I've never made a mistake. I've only had a learning experience. So the trouble is, we tend to beat ourselves up. I'm sure you do, but I know I do. If I quote, make a mistake, yes. but maybe it's a learning experience. Yes. So here, this thing of my interrupting might've been seen by people as inconsiderate. I don't, that's not my intention. Uh, but for you, you've learned something. Yes. Now I wanna say something else. By your sharing all of this, disclosing, because you've really disclosed, and I think been vulnerable, I now want to tell you that I am very impressed with how you're doing this podcast. Because what you're doing is that you're not just asking me questions, but you're taking the material and you're applying it to yourself, which makes it richer. I want to tell you that. Thank you. I received that. Because um, I think one perspective, one reality would be um, that I'm being selfish by hogging, hogging the spotlight. That would be one reality. And now I'm seeing uh -huh. your reality, which is that you're making it richer by connecting the dots to an actual experience. Yes. So thank you for that. Yes. And mm -hmm. we can only do that because we have been doing a little bit more 15%. And, and by the way, having, I think, a deeper conversation than I often have in podcasts. That's great. <laughs> um, I, I, I very much appreciate that. Um, and now I feel a sense of gratitude. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> um, I, I think, David, what I, I've been really curious, what got you into this work? Um, my understanding is that the book came from a Stanford Business School class um, called Interpersonal Dynamics or the touchy-feely class, as it's colloquially called. But even that leads to the question, how did that class get, you know, get started? Like, you wouldn't think that a business, um, business school would have a, a class like this. So just very curious, how did all this get started? Well, uh, it's, it's a long history. And I'll try to keep it short. I was actually brought to Stanford to develop the course because I knew the technology, the small group technology that allows that sort of learning. And, and the reason why it is relevant is that business is really a, uh, a business of relationships. It's not an organizational chart. It's the relationships you build at work. Uh, because if you can build multiple relationships where you trust your colleagues and you can ask for help and get help and give help, uh, it's more satisfying and more productive. So this is very relevant to all organizations. Now, now let me briefly describe the course. It's a fascinating course because it's a very simple course. And um, we 85% of our MBAs take this elective, and even so we have a waiting list because they see the value. And we teach 12 sections, 36 students in a section. The 36 students are divided into 12-person groups, and these 12-person groups meet over the 10-week term. 
They meet in what's called a T group, and T stands for training, not therapy. This isn't therapy. It's, 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 it's an edu- educational process. And it's based on the notion, a friend of mine put it this way, he said, it takes two to know one. I need you in order to know me. And we've seen this play out in this, uh, in this podcast, in that I'm an expert on my intention, but I'm totally ignorant of the effect of my behavior. You're an expert on the effect of my behavior, and I need that. So I need you and me to know me. So how do we do it in these 12-person groups? We build in a lot of ambiguity. We say to the students, your job is to build a group where you can learn from each other. Well, that's not very helpful. And the students say, well, what do we do? And we say, well, you've got to figure that out. And as they figure it out, they start to get reactions to other people's behavior. So one person may say, well, let's go around and say why we're taking the course. And they start to go around for three or four people. And another person says, you know, I'm sort of bored by this. Notice a feeling. And the first person says, well, at least I tried something. Why didn't you? Well, we're now in interaction. And what we do is we get people to say, how did you feel about the other person's behavior? And it's a constant process of people starting to share their reaction to each other's behavior and learning they can do that in a productive way. Now, these are facilitated. We train teaching assistants how to do this. So it's not um, not harm, harmful in most cases. Uh, people may feel temporarily upset, but we learn how to handle that. And so people learn how to ask for feedback, to find out the effect of their behavior, and to give feedback in a productive way. And that's why the course is called Touchy Feely. Uh, it's not a formal title, but it's pretty accurate. Yes. Um, I love how practical it, how it really, it sounded like it really tries to mimic real life, right? Like a lot of assignments you can get in, in school. It's, it's not a, it's not an accurate reflection of reality. It's very sandbox. And I love that you mentioned you guys try to um, build ambiguity into it and, um, have it have people learn organically um, in a more organic way and i love that i also love the quote it takes two to know one yes yeah. that that has definitely been my experience yeah yes. um, you see we don't need cases we don't need role plays we don't need simulations because yeah. it's going on in the moment mm. and we get people to look at what's going on in the moment and there's always things going on in the moment yes. so in this group there may be some people who tend to take up a lot of airspace. Other people have reaction to it. There are other people who sit in the sidelines. There's reactions to that. Mm -hmm. There are people who feel, come across as being judgmental. There's reactions to that. And can we share those reactions in a way that can get heard? Yes. Um, And I wanted to, because you mentioned that this applies to not just, uh, you know, relationships are a part of business, are a part of work, but they're everywhere. It's everywhere. And um, it's uh, when I 
when I discovered your books, I didn't have the business perspective on your book. I was using it for personal life. But then I found that um, the embodiment of like, you know, being in your reality, feeling your feelings and then being honest with that and, and, and testing at the 15% level applied to my, to my work, um, my work relationships. And also that I realized that most of my work problems stem from relationships, not from the actual work I'm doing. And I'm just so, I was so fascinated. And I wonder how much of that is true for other people. I think it's so important. Um, relationships. Let, let me tell a story about its relevance. Mm. This was some time ago. Uh, a CEO of a medium-sized company approached me and said, uh, I'd like to have you do some consulting. And I said, well, let's get together so we understand, get to know each other. So I went to his office and um, receptionist greeted me, went into his room and uh, we just started talking. He started talking a little bit about the company and his concerns and so on. And about 25 minutes into the conversation, he said, um, I don't know what's wrong with people these days. They're just very careful in what they say. Mm. And I said, John, um, I obviously don't know what's going on. But I got to tell you what's going on for me right now. I said, I usually feel quite free in what I say, but I've found in the last 25 minutes, I've been pretty careful in what words I use. And I don't know why I'm doing that, but that's unusual for me. Hmm. And he sort of leaned back in his chair and he said, that's what they say. Oh. Now, I didn't know his company. I didn't know John. I only knew me but I was in touch with my feelings and could share that. And I said, I don't know why this is going on, but something is going on because this is unusual for me. Mm. And then we had a great relationship and a great, and we were able to do some good work together. Oh, that's so so yeah. I didn't have to know him. I only had to know me. Oh my God. I love that. I love that you you only had to know you and I love that you said I don't know why but this is what I feel. I love that you said the I don't know why part. It's like giving yourself permission to not have to have a reason for everything. Um because you only know you know what you feel. That's the only truth you know. You you don't know the why. That's if you you could if you make something up, right? That wouldn't be the truth. Um, right, right. And and often we feel things way before we know why we're feeling it. I, I sort of see it as like an early warning system. Something's going on. So there are times in interaction when I'm feeling tense, when I'm feeling uh, careful, when, and I don't know what's going on, but I know that's going on. Yeah. How are you feeling right now? Oh, I'm feeling excited. This is, this is a wonderful podcast. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I think we're, clarifying a lot of issues yes and it's got a wonderful free flowing feeling to me which is much more interesting than a set of rigid questions and uh, you're sort of going with the flow both of us are and it feels yeah. exciting awesome that's so me. great i and i feel also excited but i have this calm feeling um there's a very calming vibe in being in your presence, David. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know if you ever want to do a podcast, but I feel like you have that late night radio talk show host voice. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it as good as well. <laughs> awesome. I, I'm I'm so glad um, that we're having this conversation and it's really going deep and I and I absolutely love that. Um, I wanted to end with just some kind of get to know David uh, kinds of questions. And um, I think my first question is, what do you wish more people would know about you that you don't often get to share? This might be a difficult one because I feel like you are very open with your sharing. <laughs> um. I, it's a hard question to answer because I think that there's two things. I think I share most of the time what's important to me. I wish I did more of it. I recently had an interaction which I held back a reaction from a friend, and I regret that. So I'm always working on this. Uh, but also, I don't have a need to be widely known. I have a need to be known by the people I'm close to. So uh, I appreciate that you know me, but I didn't start this saying, oh, I hope Lucy knows me. It's sort of like, I hope we have a good conversation. Let's see what happens. So, um, um, but let's see if I can be more specific about what do I tend to hold back. One of the things that I hold back is um, I have a hard time when people brag a lot about themselves. So I hold back a lot of what I have achieved. Um, but I think there's part of me that wishes that were known a little bit more. So that's there, there's something I wish, because uh, I think I've done a lot at Stanford, and I think many people at Stanford don't know that. So there's an example. Yes, I think that's, and I think that's a very common one. Um, but that said, I don't know other people. I, 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 but I feel like I resonate with that, um, which is, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, it's very interesting because I kind of resonate with that, but my internal reasons are a little different. It's like part of me feels like my anything I what I've done is not enough, and therefore doesn't deserve to be said. Um, so I'm 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 having a lot of aha moments for myself in that in this conversation, which, now, Lucy, which is amazing. Now, now, Lucy, did you have a tiger mother? I, you know, I. I I did, but and and you know, but although sometimes I wonder how much of it was my upbringing and how much of it was just my in, in my own internal authority. I think I had a very need to please from when I was very very young. I think I was like born with this need to please. So it's oh. like even a slight, <laughs> even a slight tiger parent would have made me been like over, <laughs> you know, like overcompensate <laughs> for it. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, but um, I, I just thought that it was so interesting. I, I this doesn't. I don't think this usually happens. But David, what's interesting coming for me is that when you share something about yourself, it is like that back and forth. Like it makes me want to share something about myself now. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And that's super super cool that that's happening. Like on this pod, I didn't come into the podcast with an intention. To, for that to happen, right? I came in to ask you some questions <laughs> and 
But look what's happening. There's like this back and forth. Well, I'm, I'm going to go further because I've sort of been sitting on this, but now I feel comfortable. Uh, I would hope you would reflect on the impact on you on culture. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm assuming you're of Chinese heritage. Yes. And my daughter-in-law is from Hong Kong, so I have a little knowledge of that culture. And that's a culture which devalues feelings. It's a culture which um, has high respect for authority. Uh, It has a culture in which it tends to be male-dominated. And to what extent are there residuals of all that that you have picked up unintentionally? Because what you've talked about is being more in touch with feelings, which is wonderful. And also... Are you worried about how I, an older white male, responds? Well, you don't have to be too deferential to me. Uh, You can (laughs) disagree with me and so on. Um, Because I think culture influences us but doesn't have to control us. And the more we're aware of those impacts, the more we have control. Yes, yes. So my, what I... um... What I what what, what so, came so, up? So, excuse me. So I'm going to interrupt. Oh. So let me reciprocate. So okay. I happen yes. to be Jewish, and one of the things about Jews is we tend to disagree with everybody. <laughs> um, I mean, we argued with God in the in the Old Testament, uh, so we we argue. Well, that's sometimes I argue too much, and sometimes I disagree too much. So that's part of my culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, (laughs) what came up for me was, um, there was, it was like, there's like a split, split brain happening within me as you were saying that. And one was like, yes, this resonates. Um, and then the other part of me is really resistant because I'm like, I don't want to blame my culture. You know what I mean? It's that, and it's coming from that whole, like a good, a good, a good daughter, a good, you know, whatever title, that's a relational title, right? A good daughter, a good partner, a good blah, 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 doesn't blame their circumstances. And so that's my honest feedback, I guess, back. But what's interesting is that, um, because I, that could also be part of cultural conditioning, (laughs) is Uh that you don't, right? You don't, um, you don't defy your, your authority and the rules that you've been given to, to, to work with. Um, and I appreciate your self-disclosure as well about your background and your heritage and how um, how that has an effect on you. Yes, um, <laughs> this is so cool. How I, I I just I'm just fascinated with the direction that this whole this whole thing take um, went. <laughs> um, uh, my last question, David, is um, what are you currently working on right now? Is there anything you're exploring now? Um, um, well, I'm writing, I'm, I'm doing podcasts because I want to get the, the book out. Yeah. Um, by the way, the book is being translated into 14 languages. Oh, wow. Uh, it's coming out in mainland China in the summer. It's coming out in Taiwan and Vietnam and Cambodia. It's interesting that Asian countries are very interested in this. Mm-hmm. It came out in the Netherlands and Russia already. So uh, what we're doing is trying to do a lot of publicity about the book because, to be honest, uh, we want to change the world. Mm. And we want people to be more honest and more authentic. Um, There's some, you talked about 
being in touch with loneliness, it turns out that the real problem in the United States is not COVID, it's loneliness. And uh, we want people to be able to build relationships where they can get the closeness that I think all of us want. We're social animals. So what I'm doing is trying to publicize. I'm doing articles and doing podcasts, and um, that's that's what I'm doing. Great. Um, and um, where else, uh, where can our audience find you if they want to get in touch? Well, you may want to look at our website, which is www.connectandrelate, as if it's one word, connectandrelate.com. And there's uh, some articles there. There's other podcasts. But there's also a self-assessment questionnaire that people might find helpful to get a better understanding of what parts of relationships they have an easier time with and are are more challenging. Uh, Lucy, can I can I end with one uh, comment? Do we have time? Yes, absolutely. Um, the thing which I'd most want to stress, well, I guess I want to stress all of this, but what comes up for me is the fact that all of us have choices. When students say, I can't, we say, no, can't technically refers to something <clears throat> that's physically impossible. Like, I can't jump out of the third floor window and survive. But everything else is a choice. So when I do coaching with executives and they say, oh, I can't say this to my boss, we say, no, you choose not to say this to your boss. Now, that may be the right choice. Um, Not saying it's the wrong choice, but own it as a choice. And I think that if we own our behavior as a choice, we would uh, think twice about ways we hold ourselves back or ways we do things. And uh, it's really taking responsibility for ourselves. And I wish everybody would take responsibility, me included. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. I think that's a great, great note. And I think a lot of people need to to hear that. Um, It is a choice. Now, the choice might come with discomfort, right? But that's like a trade-off you can make. But yep. it's not an I can't thing, I think is what you're, what you're saying. I love that. Thank you so much, David. This has been, this has been a great conversation and um, very enlightening. Um, well, I've loved it. It's been a wonderful, wonderful hour with you. Thank you. And good luck. Thank you so much. And um, for our listeners, I will include ways you can uh, reach uh, David and learn more about Connect in the show notes below. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please leave a review, subscribe, or become a supporter in the show notes below. And if you'd like to learn more about self-discovery and how to live in alignment on your terms, go to lucyleong.com or check the show notes below for more goodies. Thank you, and I appreciate you.